Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. All right. Annie, I have a question for you. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) As a kid, did you play any kind of dress up or pretend? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I One of my mom's favorite stories to tell people is that when I was four, I made an office and I would go to work. I had like a little briefcase that I made and like these little sheets I would fill out and I would like my dad would come home from work and I'd be like, good day and like continue about my business. (laughs) Um, And I would kind of dress up for that. And then I did do... I went through the period where I was pretty young and I was like wearing way too much makeup and like dresses. And if anything I could find from my grandmother or my aunt that I thought looked cool from a different era, I was really into that. But yes, also me and my best friend did a lot of Star Wars dress up where we would get in our robes and we had our lightsabers and we would turn on (laughs) strobe light (laughs) and play Duel of the Fates and have a lightsaber battle. (laughs) I love it. Well, yeah, and that goes to the second part. Do you feel like when you look back at some of the things that you would do or some of the things that you pretended or dress up as kind of reflect on who you are or who you wanted to be today or what you ended up being today? Yeah, uh, definitely. Obviously, Star Wars love. Uh, I would say I am a pretty hard worker. Yeah. Um, and I love I love dressing up and imagining. I still, that's still one of my very favorite things is to cosplay, but also just like imagine things. And me and my friend, aforementioned Jedi friend, <laughs> would we would go in the woods and we would um, like come up with these really elaborate stories and scenarios. And that's something I still love doing is writing or telling stories in whatever way I can. So yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I don't have that many stories. I honestly, I don't know. My childhood was really weird trying to just adjust mm-hmm. <laughs> to a new country. So I don't have those types of stories. But I think a lot of people do. And I was thinking about this today. We're actually going to be talking about activist and icon Beverly Paletza Ditsy, who is a South African queer activist, a filmmaker, and just an amazing artist in general. And we're going to talk a little more about how growing up, she realized, oh, I now make sense of what I was doing or dressing up like as a kid to who I am today. It's like, oh, yeah. And it made me think of that. But uh, Ditsy, who we're talking about, uh, was born in Sawito, South Africa in 1971 and was raised during the hardships of apartheid and racial oppression. And add to that her struggles as being a lesbian in you know a very unwelcoming time. Like that was not a thing to be accepted. And it's still controversial mm-hmm. to be a part of the LGBTQ plus community in general. But she was no stranger in just daring to be herself. Yeah, she relayed a story of learning what gay meant after hearing the term over the speculation of musician Boy George. And after learning what it meant, um, was elated to be able to identify a part of herself. She said in an article, I remember this confusion that I'd always had. I'd been trying to work out how I'd get over this thing. I always thought I was the only one. I thought, I'm just gay. Oh my God, I'm just gay. Everything is okay. I'm just gay. <laughs> She stated her and her friends would often dress like the 80s group Culture Club, mimicking the styles of Boy George, living in the freedom they created for themselves, going past gender norms and dressing as they wanted, and as a way to represent themselves a bit more. Though freedom wasn't easily accessible, living under the turmoil of the country during 
the apartheid. Right. So Ditsy, however, never uh, stopped pushing and fighting. She talks about being a rebel very young. And she also talks about having good support from her family, even though they were worried and even though they had been attacked and threatened through her activism. But she continued to live and grow up in South Africa. And she joined clubs and organizations for activism and advocacy. And soon she met Simon Inkelai. Uh, she stated, quote, my activism was born out of frustration. I was very lucky that I was also spending a lot of time with a group of beautiful queer boys. And together we attended the first meeting of GLOW, the gay and lesbian organization of the Waters Rand. And as she was part of this organization, she had also met up with Simon Inkelai. They together formed this group. Um, and it was through this group she would push for intersectionality and advocacy and allyship. Uh, when she spoke of the group's work, including Inkelai, she stated, uh, Simon said, I am Black, I am queer, and I cannot separate these into primary and secondary struggles. What is this if it's not intersectionality? Add women, add poor, and I find myself in those words. And when I found that, everything I did from then on was based on that. That was my springboard. Inkelai had faced the death penalty with several others for treason, but was acquitted and released. Ditsy was able to attend a meeting where he spoke of the rights for the gay community. She said, that's something I have never heard before. And coming from someone who was also a legitimate anti-apartheid activist, it legitimized all my struggles and feelings. And continued saying, for the first time, he included my queerness in the equation. So freedom was not just going to mean freedom for me as a Black person. It would also be freedom for me as a woman, as a gay woman. Inkelai soon became her mentor, and they, with several others, started GLOW. And it was through this organization they put together the first Pride in their community in 1990. Though there was some worry as to the turnout for the event, there were at least 800 protesters present. The event organizers even had paper bags ready for those who wanted to participate but not be identified, but no one wanted one, and they were ready to protest proudly. Her activism continued as she became the first openly queer woman to speak at the fourth annual UN Conference on Women in Beijing in 1995. She spoke about the importance of lesbian rights specific to empowering and uplifting women. And this was the first time for anyone to address to the UN the overall needs for including queer women in the protections of human rights. Uh, she stated in her address, if the World Conference on Women is to address the concerns of all women, it must similarly recognize that discrimination based on sexual orientation is a violation of basic human rights. And though she learned so much from the organization of GLOW, she eventually left when she felt that the organization refused to see and address the needs of queer women. And though it was a disappointment for her to see that the needs of women were being ignored, she kept pushing, including speaking at the UN, which she stated was the last straw in why she left GLOW because they were so unsupportive and was not wanting her to do this. She even went on reality TV to bring attention and uh, humanness for the gay community. and. By the way, she is no stranger to television acting or any of that. Apparently, she was a child actor and one of, was one of the first child actors. And she often portrayed young boys, she said. So that was mm -hmm. an interesting thing. Her mother was also famous, uh, I believe, a musician. So she, she knows a little thing about entertainment. Mm -hmm. But she did go on to this reality show and she stated she wanted to be a part of the show to put a face and humanity behind what it is they don't know and be there to answer their questions. And she actually spoke of a specific person who was a part of the show with her who talked about how he used to beat up gay people because mm -hmm. they didn't uh, deserve to be in existence. And she was able to change his mind and was able to become friends with him. Oh, 
Ditsy was invited to the 10th Glow anniversary party where she was able to reconcile with longtime friend Inkalai. After Inkalai's death, um, died of AIDS in 1998, she created a documentary titled Simon and I, which follows the life of Simon Inkalai and Ditsy and their activism, and also how the AIDS epidemic in Africa impacted them. And the documentary also talked of how their movement helped South Africa become the only country to include sexual orientation in its constitutional Bill of Rights. The film won several awards, including International Documentary Film Festival, Amsterdam, Real Affirmation Film Festival, San Francisco Gay and Lesbian Film Festival, and a bunch more. And Ditsy herself has won several awards and accolades, including the Safe Space Community Icon Award in 2020, uh, the Feathers Award, and she also received an honorary doctorate from Claremont Graduate University in California. And then when she was presented with the doctorate uh, in the presentation, they stated, as the first person ever to address gay and lesbian rights before the United Assembly, you call for the recognition of discrimination based on sexual orientation as a violation of human rights. As an advocate and key founder of the Gay and Lesbian Organization of the Whitwaters and in South Africa's first Pride March, you have reminded us all that freedom of self-expression and identity belongs to everyone. As a director and documentary filmmaker, you have used television and film to entertain and to open minds, to educate and build bridges of understanding that are vital to our future. She talked about how this was just like brought tears to her eyes. And she was like, wow, I've never really thought of this. I am an icon. And uh, yeah, <laughs> she absolutely is. And she's still doing some really huge things, including uh, working in uh, as director for several different films. Uh, her current release, I believe, was Lesbians Free Everyone, The Beijing Retrospective, which I believe is out. She has been a part of the Project Runway of South Africa. So she's been really huge. And she talks about how she loves participating in things like this to show a positive outlook on what the gay community, the queer community is and who they are and how they should be celebrated. And 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 again, just being human in general and being acknowledged in their identity and how wonderful and how beautiful that can be. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited to check out her work. And also, I was in um, South Africa a couple years ago for a conference and I went to a session on the queer community. And also, it was just interesting because they were talking about the how in certain languages and dialects, there aren't words mm-hmm. for things like transgender and how how do we address that and pushing it that way. And, and, you know, we've also had the conversation of how sometimes the labels can be damaging or not completely accurate. And so we're always like coming up with new new words or new ways to identify. But at the same time, if there isn't a word to describe your experience, that's also (laughs) problematic and difficult. So yeah, very interested to see how that that conversation keeps going. Right. And in the meantime, listeners, if you would like to contact us, if you have any suggestions of women we should highlight, please send them our way. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 